Co-host Eric Sayor. Hi. Uh, how you doing this week, Eric? I'm a bit sick, but uh, I'm ready to talk about really bad movies. Yep. I feel it's the right. Uh, I'm in the right mood for that. <laughs> You're in the right mood for some not the best possible, not the best <laughs> movies uh, that we could be watching. But um, the the, the point of the them worst... is that they're fun. So yeah. Yeah, I don't like watching bad movies. I don't usually do it. Uh, when mm-hmm. something gets bad rating, bad ratings, I I try to miss it. Right. Uh, but and usually when I end up seeing something really bad or like a big blockbuster, I was excited for that ends up being awful. Like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean five this year or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually end up really hating it, hating my time watching it, hating, feeling like I just wasted my time. But some bad movies, like the ones we're going to talk about, they're actually fun, they're enjoyable, and they're especially fun to watch with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of these, the best possible experience is with other people, so you can sort of laugh along with it. Um and you can also sort of experience the other parts that other people have, you know, uh, clutched onto and, you know, grabbed onto and come to see is like, oh, that's, that's a, that's a standout. Um, and that helps. It's, it's a lot like watching a comedy in a big theater. It sort of guides how you're supposed to react to things. Um, because that's what a lot of those movies end up being, uh, an intentional com- comedies. Yep. And <laughs> like a, a movie that was so bad it made me and my friends laugh a bunch in the theaters was the third Hobbit movie, but we talked about that before. But I, that's the one, the first time I saw something awful and I was kind of happy about my time watching it mm-hmm. even though i hated the film and now uh, this episode was arlen's choice i have to say because i would never willingly subject myself to watching a bunch of bad movies fair um i watch i i don't watch a lot of them but i i listen to how did this get made which is a podcast that is just all about bad movies and as a result i just end up watching them but i usually watch them while listening to the podcast so it sort of it evens out <laughs> yeah um you know it's like when you add an acid to a base it sort of it becomes neutral um so it's not a waste of two hours of my life um <laughs> but uh, and so there are some times where i have gone into a theater because i wanted the so bad it's good experience um like I went to see Independence Day too because I heard <laughs> it was terrible, um, in the best possible way. Um, and it it was actually kind of fun to watch in a theater full of people that were just like, "What?" 
<laughs> why, why is this happening? Um, and that was very much the vibe going into that. Um, and there's another time I can't really... Oh, yeah, I saw um, The Spirit in theaters. Um, anybody who's ever experienced that knows that that is a terrible movie. Um, it is... It is really bad. Uh, it's Samuel L. Jackson doing the most cartoony Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> performance, um, which is not not fun, uh, objectively. But um, it's it's a very entertaining movie to watch for all the bad reasons. Um, so yeah, that's sort of, I guess our our general feelings on bad movies. Um, I I also like when movies uh, end up being very stupid, but uh, knowing they are and taking themselves seriously, but not really. Like recently, the the most recent Triple X film. Yeah. I, I don't remember the title. Uh, I watched that a, a few weeks ago, and honestly, it's a great time watching it, even though it's really, really bad. Yeah, that's sort of like a. So that's kind of like a sibling genre almost to the so bad it's good thing, where you have movies like Fast Five, where they completely accept how silly everything is and they just they just go along with it and they play into it instead of you know being embarrassed by it <laughs> so you have moments in the sixth movie where a man is jumping from one <laughs> from one freeway over the ocean to another freeway <laughs> over the ocean um and landing on a car um so yeah you have things like that that happen and it's a but- and it, yeah, the difference is in those movies, you can see them making it and having fun, yep. and that's why you have fun watching it. They're not trying to make uh, something great or something even okay. Mm-hmm. They, they know what they're making, and they, right. they do it well. Yeah, they're, they know a certain kind of thing that they're going for, and they're just embracing it. They're not treating it but they're not treating it like it's schlock or like it's crap they're treating it very seriously and um with the same at the same level of quality that they would treat other things um and it and it leads to something very fun and it comes from the same place that a lot of these bad movies come from where you get the sense that people involved they weren't they were being sincere um in a lot of these movies you could definitely feel that in I guess our first movie that we have to start with, uh, The Room. Um, and we're starting with The Room kind of because it has uh, a recent, uh, I don't know, addition to its story, I guess. Sort of uh, something that makes it notable, which is James Franco made a movie about the production of the film. Um, and if you haven't seen that movie yet, by the time this comes out, you should. I'm suggesting it uh eric i believe you've seen it right no i'm i haven't had time i'm trying i'm gonna go uh, this holiday weekend next weekend yeah so yeah so i guess we'll have eric's thoughts on it later but um <laughs> yeah but it's i i highly highly recommend it great film i realized i haven't seen a lot of james franco's more serious fare that he's done in recent years and i know he's done a lot of it I really only know, like, his Spider-Man stuff and his Seth Rogen stuff. Um, so maybe I need to rectify that. But this was the most impressed I've ever been by James Franco in a role. So that was that was a fun thing to experience. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good movie. You should watch it. 
but I think you should also watch The Room. Because I would honestly say that watching The Room only helped my experience of The Disaster Artist. Um, and knowing that I was going to do it for this show also. You know, it sort of, sort of added on to how much reason I had to visit this movie from, I believe it's 2004, 2003 is when 2003, it came out. 2003, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's... It's a, was it your first time watching it recently? It was. It was my first time watching all the way through. You know, I had watched like you know best of moments, you know montages and things like that, and I had tried watching it a couple times before. Um, I got stopped by the sex scenes, and this time I just I was just like, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna get through them. <laughs> I'm gonna get through these sex scenes, and then uh, it's gonna be smooth sailing. Because that's what it is. You, you have to get through those scenes they they're so bad so uncomfortable mm -hmm. so <laughs> so badly made they're at times incredibly funny and at times just really awkward especially if you're watching it by yourself because yes. I, I i watched like uh, i just watched it in the living room and my girlfriend watched a bit with me like let's say half so mm -hmm. I ended up watching some sex scenes alone, which was really the worst. But when we were both watching together, we had a good time just laughing about it because it was completely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Especially that second one when they reuse parts of the first one. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> I was like, is this deja vu right now? <laughs> Am I reliving 10 minutes ago? Uh... But yeah, that was great, and like, this is the weird thing, and it's you see it in the trailer for the Disaster Artist. Tommy Wiseau clearly didn't understand human anatomy, <laughs> <laughs> and it's especially apparent in the scene with the random couple that comes into their apartment, um, and the woman gives him a blowjob, and she's obviously like sucking on his tummy. <laughs> <laughs> And he has like this weird face uh, when he goes when she goes down on him. Um, yeah, this is a weird movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, basic idea is it's about a man in San Francisco and his girlfriend starts cheating on him with his best friend. Um, it, that's about as much of the plot as I can tell you because <laughs> that's really the essential part of it. Um, because there there are a lot of side stories that get brought up and never mm -hmm. brought up once and never again <laughs> uh, uh, Johnny is the main character has an adopted son-ish right that's I think supposed to be like I don't know 16 or 15 right. that age range but it's played by <laughs> like, <old> man. <laughs> yeah late 20s man <laughs> it's, it's the best although it, apparently and this is what he's been saying recently he may be a 30 year old man who's just kind of disabled like a little bit mentally um uh handicapped um Either way, it doesn't change anything about how weird the character is. Um, but, like, there's so many weird things about yeah. this movie. Like what I was going to say, there's a scene when that uh, boy slash man is uh, 
held at gunpoint by a drug dealer. Yep. And then Johnny and his best friend come and save him. And then it's never brought up again. Nope. Chris R., my favorite character in the whole movie, by the way, never shows up again. He, he shows up, he threatens this boy man at gunpoint, and then he's gone. Also, the character Chris R., R isn't short for something. His last name is just R. His name is Chris R., and it's never explained. It's not explained anywhere in the credits or anything. It's, like, so many little details like that that make this movie amazing. Like, there's a character who's supposed to be a therapist, I believe, um, who is there for a good chunk of the movie. And then, like, a th- towards the last third of the movie, he completely disappears and is replaced by another character. Um, and we're not the first person, people to notice this. Um <laughs> But he's complete, and I I remember watching him be like, "Who the hell is this guy?" He just starts randomly like giving like advice and like telling people, "You're a bad person," and uh, you've been I've known about this for a long time, and they do nothing to tell you that he's supposed to be the same character. He looks like a completely different person. He doesn't even have glasses. He's not even dressed the same. Um, it's so strange all these little details of like just weird things that happen behind the scenes that affected the movie um and it's just i don't it's an experience you need to watch this movie and the best way to do it i think and as i've heard from other people also is to watch it with a small group of friends um first who have seen the movie before um because it's you need somebody there to just explain to you what the hell is going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't I, I don't know how else to describe the room other than it's it's a movie made by somebody who thinks they understand how to make movies, but and, they really don't. And somebody who I feel like it's a, it feels like kind of a vision of America. That maybe my grandfather had when he was like fifteen and lived in like the Middle East. Right. <laughs> like so, like a, a really uh, outside version of America. They they play football all, all the time, but they don't really play football. They just throw the ball around and someone gets hurt. Right. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very much like a. It's like America through a filter, um, and then somebody trying to wash away that filter, but little bits of it are still there. Um, Like the best, the best way I can describe it is like when you see, like when the Chinese government takes a movie and like recuts it (laughs) (laughs) to make it more Chinese friendly, and then if you were to like try without adding anything back in to try and make it more American friendly after the fact. That's kind of what it feels like, um, and it's just so weird. And also, I mean, Tommy Wiseau is the star of this film, is Johnny. Writer, director, star. Mm-hmm. So that tells you all. You, that tells you all you need to know. <laughs> but no, like he's when you see him on screen and you hear him talk for a few minutes, it's it's amazing. <laughs> He claims, he claims to be from New Orleans, 
um, by way of France, <laughs> um, and he and he claims to be nineteen at the time that they were making the movie. Um, if you look, if just look up a picture of Tommy Wiseau right now, um, he's a, at least a fifty-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> At least, like, uh, well, 50-year-old then, maybe maybe 45. He's 55 now, you know, at the bare minimum. He he looks kind of like a melted action figure, <laughs> which is really mean, but it's also accurate. Um, and it's just, it's so weird because everybody is at a different level of, like, quality. There are some people in this movie that are actually, like, not terrible actors there's an old like, woman character who's not terrible oh i thought she she sounds like she's not in a movie yeah they all sound like Which they're is, a play actually that's the thing uh, she sounds like you're just talking to her at the bank or something kind like, of she she sounds so much like a normal person that it feels out of place in the film yeah yeah she does because you're right she's the most know, authentic person in that group everybody yeah. else sounds like an alien and she sounds like an actual human being um and it's really weird she's so authentic compared to um uh compared to greg sestero in the film i can never remember oh mark that's right mark uh also i, I feel like a lot of people know the room but they've never seen the room you know like they know the oh hi mark meme um but they don't know what that's actually from yeah um uh, I, I feel like even uh, Julia Danielle, who plays Lisa, is she's she's like okay. She she's not mm-hmm. she's not particular. She makes the best of what she can with right. what is obviously like an awful script. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a pretty bad script. It's like the lines. It's really hard to describe how bad the lines are. They don't feel like a person actually wrote them they feel like somebody like like they cut out like bits and pieces of other movies and then they just like glued them together um and just ignored sentence structure and grammar (laughs) um in just just wrote whatever sounded good to their ear um and it's just so so bizarre in so many moments um and you have things like tommy laughing when greg sestero describes a woman getting getting beaten um which comes up in the disaster by the way (laughs) and that was just like an authentic laugh and his defense of it was this is real human experience this is (laughs) this is human emotion um it's so it's so bizarre this is a movie you really do have to see in order to understand it because it's hard to describe this movie and how crazy it was. Um, and sometimes it feels like it's it still has some ideas behind it mm-hmm. of value. Like it has maybe something to say, yeah. but too many things to say and it's too jumbled. It never quite works. But there are ideas that work, which I feel like <laughs> maybe maybe it, Tommy Wiseau has things to say but he's he doesn't know how to say them that's fair um because it's it's very clear that he's trying to say something about women um 
and he's trying to say something about uh, how the two genders interact with each other and what the nature of relationships are like and it might be a metaphor for just life in general um it could mean many other things as well and he and the result is it it comes across as like this is written by somebody who was very clearly heartbroken by something um and it and in that way it's kind of like a teenager wrote it um because it is so raw in what it's describing you know and the idea of you know you have this character of Lisa, who is so dual-sided, so two-faced-ish, in a way that you know you can only you only see that when teenager is describing another person to you, um, and that person doesn't sound real because their emotions are changing so rapidly, um, and they are just—it's just like a jumbled mess uh, and what they're describing couldn't be a real person so you see that on screen and you see how that doesn't fit because this lisa character will go from being in total just unabashed love with tommy in one scene and just thinking he is the best thing in the world and then a few seconds later somebody will say something and she and she'll say stop saying that i hate him i'm going to leave him i don't love him anymore um and you have all these you just have all these moments that don't make sense from person to person and how people act from scene to scene. Um, and it, but it's also that Tommy can kind of make a statement about men and women. I, it's so, it's so hard to interpret some of it, yeah. but some of it is also very easy. Also, it's a movie I feel like I really want to watch again. And I, I'll see yes. probably really differently the next time I see it and each subsequent time after that. I feel there's a lot in this film and it's mm-hmm. which is interesting considering how bad it is. I think it's one of the more rewatchable bad yeah. movies. Um Yeah, definitely one of the more rewatchable ones. It's one of the ones where like if there was a screening, a big screening here in town, I would definitely go because yeah. I, I would imagine it'd be a blast. Um so yeah, I think I don't think we've quite covered the room because I feel like you need hours <laughs> to cover the room. But um I think we've last last thing I want to say um I'm just looking at the the Wikipedia page for the room and the budget was 6 million dollars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm dubious as to if that was the actual budget. <laughs> But yeah, no, that is that's another thing. There's so much you can look up all kinds of like weird fun facts about the room, um, and they just keep on getting weirder and weirder. And the mystery of the behind the scenes of the room and Tommy, it's just it's just so much fun to explore. So go go do that. Watch the room if you can. Again, watch it with friends, preferably somebody who's seen it before. Also, um, so yeah, I think um, I guess maybe can... I'll maybe I'll end on the. Uh, talking about uh, a tweet I saw by one of the oh, yeah. writer, one of the writers of uh, the disaster artist, so someone that <laughs> has interacted with Tommy at least a few times. Um, I don't have his name, but uh, is it the is it the Fantastic Four tweet? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, here I have it. It's uh, from from Michael H. Weber. Uh, he says uh, this happened yesterday. Uh, me, so Michael, uh, tell me what's your favorite movie of, of 2017 so far? The Florida, Florida Project, Lady Bird, Get Out, Tommy Wiseau, Fantastic Four, <coughs> Me, a Beat. I think that came out a few years ago. Tommy is still best movie this year. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah, Tommy Wiseau's a weird guy. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so yeah, I guess, uh, I, hmm, do we go with Birdemic or Jim Cotta? Because I really want to yeah. talk about Jim Cotta. Let's do Birdemic first, maybe, right. and then Jim Cotta. All right. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's go from a movie I want to watch again, probably eventually, from to a movie I never want to see a second of again in my life. Yeah, I don't want to see Birdemic ever either. Because, <laughs> like, so the like, room... He... The room is badly made, right? But Birdemic is just... It's... It's ridiculous. It doesn't... It seems it's, like a prank. It's it's like a, a student project for a project that has nothing to do with film. Right. Like, like make something that, that uh, will make people want to protect the environment. And then right. the, uh, James Nguyen made this film and... <laughs> We have this gift. Right. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it, too. A gift. It's a gift of mankind. <laughs> so, uh, let's just want to start with that. Uh, so, the budget of the room is on Wikipedia, on Wikipedia $6 million. The budget of uh, Birdemic is listed on Wikipedia as less than $10,000. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. That probably doesn't include like the gas they used for <laughs> all those right. car shots. Oh my, so much gas. Um, yeah, so this this advertisement for Northern California <laughs> which is what I which is what I thought it was while I was watching, is like this is like when cities like film their own advertisements for their towns <laughs> and they just hire someone who had a camera <laughs> and like had a couple friends in a car. Um, and that's and that's what this is because it's like a giant commercial for Northern California and a PSA about global warming, like you said. Um, and it just doesn't it doesn't come together as an actual movie. Um, and <laughs> aside from the fact that it's an obvious like it's saying it's a ripoff of the birds is being kind. <laughs> It's so much like beat for beat the birds in so many ways um, that it's 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 so ridiculous. Um, it is it really is, and and here's the plot: we spend a lot of time suppose setting up this like romance between our two main characters, Rod and Natalie. Um, Natalie played by Whitney Moore. And, Whitney Moore is someone a lot of people listening to this might actually know of. Um, she's become something of a internet personality over the last few years. You know, if you've seen her on, if you listen to Schmoes, or if you're a Screen Junkies fan, or you know, anywhere on the internet that you can think of. I think she even worked for IGN for a time, um, if I'm not mistaken. So she's she's definitely used this movie to, you know, 
go on to bigger and probably better things. Um, Good for her on this. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's actually, I think she's the best part of this movie for me. Um, yeah, I would definitely say so. She's definitely, she's really trying. <laughs> and it's very obvious that she's trying. Um, and I actually think she does a fairly good job with what she's given. Um, but you're supposed to believe that her and this Rod guy are into each other, um, eventually. And Rod... Here's the thing about Rod. Rod could have actually been played by a metal pole (laughs) and been about as convincing. Like, like Rod is what would happen if someone asked me to act in a film. Right. Like someone who me, has like no someone who I've, I I haven't acted like once maybe at school because I had to and right. I was awful at it and that's what happens when you ask someone like this. Yes, like it, it's like you know I, I I think I said this on here. I went to like a class in high school to like learn how to make movies and like basic camera technique and stuff like that. This. This is the quality of acting of when you got the one guy who hadn't acted yet in class, you know, and you had to use him as the lead of your little film, and he just didn't want to do it. (laughs) This is the same quality of acting. And all this is like, there were so many flashbacks to that also, to my time there, like, so many times where the audio from one person, from two people facing each other, it would cut from one person and there would be background noise from the cars passing by. And then it the, would cut the, to the other person and there'd be nothing. There's a scene at the beach where you hear the wind so loud you can't even hear the, them talking. Yeah. Like, they just... Film, like, they, they didn't have any sound recording stuff, probably. Probably not. They just yeah. used the uh, uh, hand camera and filmed everything like that. And mm-hmm. it really shows and you can't hear anything at times and you... It's... It's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> it's hard to watch how bad it is. But honestly, it made me laugh a lot. So I I have to thank it for that. The birds are the birds, the birds. are so good. I love them so much. They really are great. And the, the sound that they make. The, these sound like seagulls. Um I love it. I love it so much. They're so terrible though. And it's very obvious that, like, something happened whenever they were filming, like, the birds and the people at the same time. Because, like, when we first see the bird, like, the dead bird, um, and it's just, like, there's, like, this weird, like, Instagram filter (laughs) on the screen. Um, I don't know which one it is, uh, but I I guess James Nygwin could probably sue Instagram for using his camera filter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Possibly. Um, but yeah, like, it's just, it's really, there are parts of it that are really ugly, and like, also, when the birds actually show up, like, full on, it's just like a hard cut from like, the city while it's still asleep, while everybody is not awake yet, <laughs> to, ah, ah, there are birds everywhere, and they're attacking. And, and like, like there, there aren't really people in the streets or anywhere, like, you see, mm-hmm. maybe... 10 people after the birds start attacking except right. when they're driving on the highway and you just see other random cars mm-hmm. I kept thinking like what are those people like how, how do they explain that in the world like just people driving on the, the right. highway yeah 
And like, yeah, it's a weird movie. Like the last so, like half hour is like an episode of The Walking Dead almost. Okay, so if you haven't seen this film, just Google Birdemic Birds. Mm-hmm. Do it right now, just so you have you and you have an idea of what we're talking about because it's like they took. Um, Okay, like pic- they, they took two pictures of a bird one with its wings up and one with it, it, it wings down and just used those as an animation and just added them on top of the frame with photoshop or something yeah that's that's exactly how it looks not not even a bit better than that and <laughs> <laughs> or or it's just footage of a bird flying in the sky and they just put it in this, as a scene as a as a dangerous bird <laughs> like like nowadays you would get the same effect if you just took a gif of a bird but a, like a yeah. really low quality gif and you just used i think it's called after effects and you just composited that over people but they don't move in any way <laughs> and they they face either away from the camera or toward the camera, never in between. <laughs> um, and they like, yeah. I love that the first time they face the birds, they use the best weapon of defense, which is a, a coat hanger. Yep, it's so good. <laughs> and like, there's a point where the two two of the female characters in the movie are going to to the bathroom, I guess, and one yeah. of the ladies gets attacked. <laughs> And it's just like a black dot that flies across her. <laughs> and then Natalie just runs away. <laughs> and then you realize later on that she wasn't dead. So Natalie could have saved her. <laughs> um, yeah. And then they, they eventually find the military guy that has a bunch of guns and use the guns to shoot the birds. Mm-hmm. Which which is, they're just like shooting at the sky. And it's... And uh, the sound effect of the gun is always the same. And the visual of the gun shooting, like the little fire coming out, that's as good as, uh, as a special effect as the bird itself. It's, it's very stupid and very funny. Mm-hmm. God, it's a, it's a ridiculous movie. And if you really want like a, just a good preview... Uh, I think the Birdemic trailers that they put out for both movies, because there was a sequel to this. There are two sequels. Right. Um, God, and they're... they're we're, we're never going to talk about this, the sequels on this show. No, because it's it's just... The sequels are everything that you like about Birdemic, um, but just more. Um, and that's not that interesting. <laughs> and also, James James McQueen has sort of... McQueen? McQueen? Gwyn has sort of come out afterwards and sort of claimed that he intended it for it to be a comedy, um, just a little bit, um, which is something Tom Wiseau has also done. Um, uh, the director of Troll Two, not so much, which we might we might get to that one. Um, but uh, yeah, James Gwyn has sort of claimed that it was sort of supposed to be like a, a kind of a satire type of thing, but it's also supposed to be his take on Hitchcock and his take on real world politics it's it's almost like he saw the inconvenient truth and (laughs) and he had an idea about a movie in his head and he was like hmm what if i combine those two things and then he made birdemic um yeah yeah Uh, 
like some parts of this film are literally at, at the at the beginning uh, of the film rod is working for a for a startup a silicon valley startup mm-hmm. and they get sold and then they, there's a scene of them all the companies celebrating because their <laughs> stock is worth a lot of money and they're just clapping for like I think two or three minutes. And, and it's just the shot of everyone at the, sitting at a huge table just clapping. Right, but it it starts to pan down the table. Yeah. But And after it stops showing three people, it cuts to a completely different shot, but it acts as if it's the same shot. <laughs> and it does that twice. <laughs> Until it gets to the bottom two guys at the table and them just clapping uh by themselves and it's and the music the music in this movie is so great it's the most it's the most stock music crap that you've ever heard um like it's it's so amazing it's it's like weird piano riffs and like elevator music um it's definitely it's what they would call in the old days uh muzak not music um and it's just it's so it's it's so adds to the movie and it's just utter craziness um yeah but definitely definitely watch this one if you can i think like get get some drinks get with some friends and just laugh at this film like a couple of scenes are literally just uh one about solar panels and how they're great and there's like five to ten minutes of this film that's just explaining how good solar panels are and, and then there's a um they they find a random guy on a bridge that starts talking to them about how uh the air is how some birds are dying in the region and i think it's just like actually where they, they filmed there were some birds dying but the dead birds are like look like they're flying birds so they're just shitty art of this. yes it's also like it, it was done on purpose mm-hmm. which makes it kind of great yeah like yeah the some of the moments some of the art and some of the way that they display the birds it's just yeah it's um it's really astounding folks uh, we were in the middle of talking about birdemic and uh maybe uh james nigwin sabotaged our, our production um, maybe maybe birds are are biting off my satellites right now maybe just just possibly um so yeah uh you will hear the technical difficulties cat music and then and then uh it, it will come back to where we just were um so we're gonna move on i guess from birdemic to jim kata um this is this is this is this is a movie yep it's certainly a film that somebody made um 
so first I have to say that uh, the only reason I added this movie to to our I wanted to watch this movie at first was because uh, Matt Singer, which is a critic at Screen Crush, I think, talks about it. Almost tweets about it, I think, every day. So it got me curious of how bad it could be or how great it could be. Right. And honestly, I think it's great. That's good to hear. <laughs> so here's the thing. I think this is a very, this is a very interesting movie to watch. This definitely, this definitely belongs here. I think, <laughs> but it is also very fun. Um, this is like if you took little bits and pieces. Of all of the 80s movies. All of them. <laughs> Every 80s movie that has ever been made. <laughs> and you put them into one film. Because <laughs> that's the only thing that explains this. <laughs> there is a town in this movie full of crazy people. And it is... I don't know how long that scene went on for. I don't know how long he was in this town of crazy people. But it's... Well, it's de definitely too long. It's definitely too long, but it's amazing. <laughs> the music is amazing. The entire movie, like, changes from this kind of, you know, kind of crappy-looking, you know, 80s movie, kind of 80s adventure flick, you know, with sort of a James Bond sort of twist to it. You know, it's like James Bond, but on the really, really, really cheap side. Um, And then like part way through the movie it becomes like i don't know silent hill <laughs> or any like survival horror movie or video game it's just it becomes so like weird there's people in weird accents but they don't even speak in like words they like they speak in animal noises and i don't mean like people imitating animal noises i mean actual animal noises <laughs> There's a woman okay, who they okay, dug in chicken noises. Like the the, the all the sound in this film, all, every sound effect is so loud and awful and so dumb. The every, kicking every noises. Every time someone someone, yeah, the, the kicking, the punching, the people falling through stuff. It's just like a, they feel very very much too loud. It's like they had one sound of kicking and it's always the same sound and it's always too loud and feels out of place yeah and it's hilarious every time and i guess we should set out the plot just a little bit so this is a movie <laughs> first i just yeah i just want to say first this is a, okay this is a movie directed by uh robert klaus klaus the yes. director of uh, enter the dragon oh my god <laughs> which i haven't seen i don't know Enter the Dragon is the best Bruce Lee movie. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Oh how, how how the mighty have fallen. Um, no, 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 I, I have no idea. Is Enter the Dragon actually good? It's really good. Like it's as good as any James Bond movie from the seventies. Maybe even better than any of them. It's 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 the only one of the Bruce Lee movies where it's not where it's in English that you can watch it. Where it's not someone else dubbing him, or yeah. it's not him redubbing him. It's the only one yeah. where it's his original performance in English, um, and it adds something to it. Um, and it's it's a really well made movie um, for the seventies, definitely. 
yeah. Um, and then in the eighties, he made this, which is okay. <laughs> you can introduce the plot. So the plot is uh, Jonathan Cabot, uh, played by real life. Um, uh, what's it called? Gymnastics. Gymnast. 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 Yes. Uh, Kurt Thomas. Gymnast. Um, uh, this movie was also, by the way, made during. In 1985, when the U.S. boycotted the Olympics, for anybody who is wondering how this happened. But um, basically, he's a gymnast who was recruited by the CIA, maybe? An organization that's like the CIA. Yes. <laughs> who um, are trying to get the Star Wars program, which is basically a missile defense program that never actually got off the ground um but it was proposed for a very long time um it's about them trying to recruit him to help them get the missile defense program put in this small sort of middle eastern eastern european almost sort of like you know that in between space um that a lot of places like, like, exist uh, in. like uh, south south uh south south west asia kind of yes. like a like a it's called Pakistan, probably yeah. named after pakistan so in that area ish right and it's and they're eth- well they're not ethnically ambiguous but there are bits and pieces from multiple different ethnicities and and they're cultures. mostly played by white people <laughs> yeah no, that's important they're white people like, I, with like almost, heavy mustaches and heavy unibrows like like some dudes look middle middle eastern ish or right. um, uh, uh, south asian ish right but but most i i think a lot or most of the actors are just white people or maybe like uh, uh latinos that they cast as uh, other yeah. people which uh, honestly really sucks but yeah, it was the eighties, so I like if they did, like when they do, they still they still do this, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, whatever was that. Uh, uh, Gods of Egypt. Every movie, yeah, that one or every movie set in Egypt or whatever, they're yeah. always just white people, brown people, and yeah. uh, uh, as a Middle Easterner, I always feel like that's shit. It is, but, <laughs> it very much is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, which is why I don't watch any of those movies. Right, um, but but that, that's it, fair. it's the '80s and it's like a Cold War-ish film, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's based off a, of a James Bond, kind of. Yeah, kind of. And there's, I guess, there's a book that it's based off of, which I knew, yeah. but I must have forgotten. Um, and it's, but this, so the important thing about this place, this Parmistan, is that they have this weird ritual that they require anybody to complete before they can even enter the country. <laughs> like, if you're just a visitor who accidentally stumbles in, you have to complete the game. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty deadly game, because you're getting <laughs> hunted by, like, they're ninjas. <laughs> Like an, an army of ninjas. Yes, um, an yeah. army of ninjas wearing red hats. Okay, so the movie starts and there's just a bunch of ninjas missing a, 
gay you haven't heard about mm-hmm. uh, that gets on a rope and shot with an arrow and dies. Right. You think he dies. And at the same time, it's uh, uh, you're, see, you're you're seeing another shot of a, a gymnast on a just on a bar doing flips, and right. it, <laughs> yeah, and that that sets up the movie like kind of well. It's it's so weird because the the premise of this movie depends on the idea that the only people who can complete this challenge are gymnasts. Um, and it depends on the fact that uh, Kurt Thomas was a gymnast in real life, and the idea of this martial art, I guess, that is based on gymnastics, and uh, many other people have said much the same thing as this, to me it just looks like someone doing gymnastics that is very well timed. <laughs> um <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Steven Spielberg was watching Jim Cotta while he was directing Jurassic World and The Lost World. <laughs> because uh, the uh, Jeff Goldblum's daughter character is doing Jim Cotta very clearly. That's in my that's in my head canon now. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I like that movie it. more. What? <laughs> oh my, you need to. I haven't seen it. Well, the, the only Jurassic Park I've seen is Jurassic Park, so... Well... You're better off, probably. <laughs> for, for the moment, I'll probably end up watching yeah. all those dinosaur films. Probably maybe for this podcast. Yeah, possibly. Um, so, so uh, throughout the film, uh, whenever there's a fight scene, there ends up being a, an element that's used actually in gymnastics. So when he's uh, when he's in the city with the the crazy people. That speak like animals. Uh, there's uh, 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 a a I, I don't know what the exact term is, but it's something. Like, yeah. I, uh, I know what you're talking a, about. Uh, a pommel horse. Yeah, a pommel horse. That's that's what it is. Yeah, called, yeah, yeah. There's a just a, a a thing that looks like a pommel horse, and he's just doing gymnastics on it and hitting people with his feet. Yeah. <laughs> and they're flying around. It's. It's so stupid and <laughs> they're coming at him with sickles and he's kicking them <laughs> it's it's ridiculous and there's there's an entire scene that it feels like a like a bad 80s James Bond when he's like trapped in Russia or whatever um and he's being chased by guys with like AKs um and he manages to get into like an alley where there's a pole uh connecting the two alley walls <laughs> And there are there are at least four minutes of him just swinging on this pole over and over again, kicking these men as as one of them. Yeah, yeah it's so great. One of them gets knocked and, and, over and then gets out. Yeah, the, mo- the the funniest part is when he he knock- at the end he just knocks off a random guy that was walking on yeah. in the alley, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." I just it's so good. Um, and then he has like a fight with a guy with a scar at some point. Um, yeah, and like, there's a princess who like, and there's like just a random aside where a guy's like, she's from Cambodia, she's interesting, and then that's the end of the line. It's just weird exposition to explain why she's there and why she looks 
darker than everybody else in this weird not yeah, no, place. He, he, she's like she'll yeah, she's the only actual like brown people in the main cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's even amazing. even her father is like a white dude. Oh yeah, her father's <laughs> clearly like maybe maybe he's an Eastern <laughs> European dude. Maybe possibly maybe he's turkish i don't i don't think so um this it's very clear that they shot in turkey but um yeah like it's so yeah it's a weird movie but you need to see it because it is so much fun (laughs) yeah seriously that that, this one is like actually a really fun um 80s action film yeah it's it's yeah it's worth seeing it's it's the the action scenes are ridiculous the sound effects are are the worst but the best mm-hmm. I uh, it's a it's it's a picture I have in my head when I think about eighties action films yeah that yeah that's that's but where my like the bad ones yeah that's it, it's like if you think every bad one of those they when they just were just making a bunch and it's combine them it's like you said it's like it, mm-hmm. you get this you get Jim Kala. yeah it's this like amalgamation of like weird bad 80s action movies I'm surprised this wasn't made by Canon Films if I'm being honest like I looked that up and, I, and when the MGM logo came up I was shocked <laughs> shocked and surprised <laughs> by what I was about to see I mean, so many weird things. Like, there's a guy named Thor in this movie who I'm looking at the Wikipedia and I now realize his name is actually Thor. <laughs> what the hell? But his name is Thor. And he's supposed to be a big buff guy. And it's very obvious he is just a man wearing four sweaters. Four very <laughs> thick sweaters. Yeah, he's just a, a. Like, he's kind of big, but he's not huge. And yeah, he has just a bunch of clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing extra clothes to look bigger and it's so goofy and he it's so weird you think he's dead in the weird like action movie adventure movie part but then he shows up in the town of horrors and he gets killed by farm people <laughs> like resident evil 4 style and and when he uh <laughs> okay there's one thing worth spoiling in this movie <laughs> i just want to do it because it's so stupid okay <laughs> yeah go uh, ahead the, the way um uh kurt thomas character gets gets out of the town of horrors is being saved by a, a, one of the ninjas right. that ends up being his father that yep. died at the beginning but it's is still alive and then a minute later his, his father just gets shot by an arrow and dies again he gives all this explanation exposition about why he's still alive they captured I did it, me i to make it through and i'm still here and then he dies again. <laughs> arrow, to, arrow to the back and he's gone it's so good and this leads into like a sword fight with the main villain named Zamir for anybody who's wondering Zamir total white guy <laughs> the whitest man ever to be named Zamir Richard Norton Australian yep. man <laughs> oh god and he's he's doing an accent <laughs> and <laughs> Oh my god. Um yeah. And uh 
yeah it, it's this movie is priceless and you need to see it um watch it with friends this is one that's definitely like watch it yeah. with friends not to make it better just watch it with friends so that they experience this <laughs> they so they know this feeling because it it's a it's a fun thing to watch and we're having fun i i feel like i'm having fun talking about it because it's yeah it's, it's so interesting yeah, it's definitely one that's like enjoyable, not just because it's just because it's fun, but it's a it's halfway between like we said at the beginning, those self-aware action films that we get today, and like a really bad film because just because it's badly made. That is that is fair. That is completely fair. Um, but yeah. It's a it's a good it's a good experience, um, and I, I definitely I definitely suggest it for anyone who like who even kind of likes bad movies um, or movies that are kind of cheesy. Uh, so yeah, I guess we can kind of move into Plan Nine unless you want any have any final thoughts on Jim Cotta. No, I I think I think we we got through Jim Cotta. Yes. Uh, Plan Nine is Plan Nine from Outer Space is uh, the most known Edward film. Yes, Edward, uh, uh, known as the worst director of all time. Yep, which I don't think he really is. No, no. Um, there, we've talked. We've we've talked today about movies that are way worse than Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah, we're, we've talked about movies that are more incompetent than this. Um, I would say it's yeah. more like. With this movie, because they're trying for more than some of the movies that we've already talked about, um, not more than Jim Cotta. They're not trying for more, but they're definitely trying for more than The Birds, and they're trying for more than The Room. It's much more obvious that it's cheap, but there's still a sense of love to everything. Um, You know, like the cockpit of the airplane. It's very obviously a fake (laughs) airplane cockpit. But there is a sense of like no one's Everything gonna try. Is this is... Yeah. 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 But uh... I I think yeah this this film is like kind of ridiculous. But I feel like it it has a repetition that we don't really get anymore. I think it's uh, um watching it. I I thought I was gonna see a bunch of like mics and all that, and I surprisingly I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I think I realized it's how um, the the movie uh, was sh- used to be shown on TV, showing borders of the screen you weren't supposed to see, because it you were supposed to see the white screen. I, I heard a bit about it later, which it, because I was surprised about not seeing like all those like the parts that are really sets and technical stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if you. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I. Yeah, I get what you mean by that kind of like it was. It was surprising how, not, how how you you're right. You didn't see like the set really like in the graves in the grave scenes. It it's obviously it's a stage or something, but it's um, it's not obvious in the way where you can see the lights or you can see where the floor ends or where the wires might be. Um, it does feel like convincing. It doesn't feel any 
less convincing than some professional movies that were being made, to be yeah. honest. Um, that said, there, there are points where it's like, okay, this is obviously not a big professional production. Again, the airplane cockpit, you know, they're not even turning real steering wheels <laughs> they're steering like cardboard <laughs> um but it's like again like it's the creativity of like oh well we don't have that so what what looks convincing enough um and there's a lot of that like what what first it, what second will look good enough to the audience in this way it's actually the complete opposite of birdemic whereas birdemic they didn't even try to do anything like good looking or that works but um it, in in the plan 9 it really feels like they they tried their best to make the the best of what uh, of uh, a, a, a smallish budget and a lot of ambition because yeah. this is a very ambitious movie it tries to do aliens it 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 goes from aliens to zombies to uh, actual spaceships and people finding yeah. out aliens are real, which is, it, it has interesting like plot points and and uh, but it doesn't it kind of doesn't uses them super well. It always feels dumb. The the zombies are kind of stupid. Yeah. And, they're not really scary <laughs> it's it's so interesting because, like they have bella lugosi but, in the movie um and yeah. only for like a couple minutes the rest of the time it's just a man in a weird lugosi costume <laughs> and he's like covering mm -hmm. his face with his cape and he looks nothing like bella lugosi uh, I, but uh, i i think it's uh this is uh, bella lugosi's last film yes. if i'm not wrong the last movie he shot i think it came out after his death yeah because he kept or or because, uh, close to it yeah because ed like he would just like i guess he would just film uh bella doing things you know he, he, he <laughs> just so he had something um and he used just footage that he had of bella already and he intercut it with this movie um to sort of yeah give you the sense that bella was in it at one point and then this other, I guess, stunt person um, <laughs> wearing Bela Lugosi's Dracula costume. Um, and that's the weird thing. Like, they're playing on a lot of pre-existing cachet. And, like, at the time, you know, things that, you know, the audience would have already recognized. You know, he's playing on uh, Vampira's sort of cult, you know, fan base that she had. Um, I don't know if Tor Johnson, the big zombie if he had some sort of cult following also um but maybe he was playing on that as well maybe tor gained a following after i do believe he was a wrestler uh, like in the underground wrestling scene so that <laughs> he, was... he looks like a wrestler yeah um from way before the vince mcmahon here um <laughs> so yeah i guess maybe that's what they were kind of playing on but it's but it is like it's a movie where you can feel like a sense of like passion for it, um, and that's yeah. I think that's what makes it kind of impressive in that way. And and it's a movie that does zombies uh, a long time before there were zombie actual zombies 
on screen. Like right. Night of the Living Dead is like ten years after that. So it it maybe it was kind of spooky at the time. Right. But for for us, uh, we have like so many. We, after seeing so many zombie films, we're kind of desensitized to seeing like one or two mm-hmm. that walk slowly and are strong and and killable. But I don't know. <laughs> well, I know it's so. It it's good that we brought it up and then we added it to this list because it's generally considered the first great so bad it's good movie you know i'm sure there were other bad movies that people watched on purpose but this is like this is the first one where you know people went out to midnight screenings of the movie and there was a big fan base that grew around it and grew around how terrible it was where you had people like you should watch plan nine i think you'll really like this it's so crazy um and you know i my understanding is that vampire would actually play the movie because why wouldn't she um but it, it sort of gained this, you know, notoriety f- as being a bad movie, um, and it sort of became known for that. And it's it's generally considered one of the worst, and it was for a long time because nothing came out to challenge it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, it's only in recent years that people really like suggested other movies in that you know category almost, um, and it's. And again, like it does have this thing in common with the room, uh, in that it you really do get a sense of passion from the people involved, um, and I think that goes a long way. You know, you can you get the sense that a lot of his work was put into it, and it also has a lot in common with Birdemic in that there is a theme. There is this sort of anti-nuclear war, you know, feeling that was also in. Um, the original the earth day the earth the day the earth stood still um the same sort of anti-nuclear sentiment um is there in that film and it's very clear that like oh there's a message here and he's trying to say something with this movie uh while making you know something that's kind of creepy and kind of weird um but it just becomes a lot like Birdemic. It becomes very obvious yeah. uh, when you have like 10 minutes of these aliens explaining, you will eventually destroy everything. And then you have, you have the guy that just keeps on punching him without even listening to him. Um, so it's like he's trying to say yeah. something about human beings, but he doesn't know how to effectively say it. Yeah, no, it's... it's it's uh, Like you said, this that scene is like... Is very is is very telling of what he's trying to do, but it feels kind of uh, like Birdemic a bit um, like a bit too rushed, a bit too easy mm-hmm. in the way it's delivered. But it's but it's it's interesting that he that even in a film like this where he he's well known for doing this kind of spooky-ish film. Um, and still trying to make something out of it, even though it's like his third movie or the year or whatever, it's 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 uh, it's great and it's an example of his passion for his work. Mm-hmm. But I, at the same time, this that scene feels kind of just bad because the aliens never feel dangerous. 
Like right. it feels like they could sh- just shoot them with a gun and they'd be done with. <laughs> the aliens, are even the though most... they never do. The aliens are the most non-threatening aliens I've ever seen. Yeah. In any movie yeah, exactly. ever. Uh... They have to use a, a kind of a gun-ish weapon to control uh, z- uh, the zombies, but it doesn't really work well, and it. And when the zombies aren't there, they have no defense. Right. It's it's not the best plan. It's not the best form of defense. Yeah, like I was. So when I watched it, I also was watching like the riff tracks, you know, sort of version of it, yeah. um, where they're talking over it. And their joke yeah. is, they should have maybe they should have used Plan Ten. <laughs> At which point I was like, yeah, maybe they should have used Plan Ten because. Anything would be better than Plan Nine. <laughs> this is a dumb plan. You have no easy way to just stop all the aliens <laughs> or all the zombies. Uh, I mean. Also, the aliens. Yeah. Also, the aliens that are that are super supposed to be really advanced and want to save the world are also misogynist. Like the the one that gives a speech about the woman that has to stay at home is the alien. Yep. Not even one of those the, the macho, not, not the macho guy beating him, but the, the alien that is keeps keep saying they're a lot more advanced than them. Mm-hmm. But that's more uh, because it's of the time. But even at the time, there were a lot of there were films about that were had a lot better um, uh, gender roles. Mm-hmm. They, they, they talked about gender roles better. So I don't know if that was intentional or, or not, showing that the aliens also are not great. Yeah, yeah, that was... I think that's just Ed, yeah. Ed not really having a firm grasp on the characters he was writing. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I heard from somebody who recently watched um, Forbidden Planet and how... That was supposed to be, you know, hundreds of years in the future, but the men were still very sexist. So, yeah, I think it might just be an of the time thing, maybe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, and I'll admit it, you know, there are sometimes where you watch old, you know, sixties Star Trek, and you just pick a random episode, and it's it's shocking <laughs> some of the episodes. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't, I really don't know how else to describe plan nine further it's just I, I think it's actually a very fun movie to watch um i think it's yeah it, it, if you if you like bees it's one of those mm-hmm. it's if you like like a um, horror that's no longer really scary and uh that's really 40s 50s style of acting it's definitely right uh, uh, movie yeah and it's and it's it's fun like you can tell and it's interesting because you really get a sense of like the difference between a well done movie from that period of time and a badly done period movie <laughs> from that period of time um and it's and it's yeah it's, it's interesting um and it's 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 definitely a fun thing to watch um I also suggest watching Ed Wood, like I suggest watching The Disaster Artist, because there are so few movies about bad movies out there that exist. Um, so that one's definitely an interesting thing to see. 
so yeah, uh, I don't really have any thoughts on Plan Nine. I think we're sort of going yeah. a little bit long. Uh, so I guess we can do outros unless you have any last thoughts on Plan Nine. No, I think we're good. We talked enough about bad movies for a year. Yes. <laughs> We will come back in exactly one year, maybe a little bit after, uh, to talk more about bad movies. Um, yeah. And we'll, we, we will more. I think we'll have a guest in future times, um, you know, so we have other people to talk about this with and explore this with, because it, it's definitely helpful to have other people who've maybe, experienced maybe it. Maybe we'll have, yeah, I want to have someone else on and talk about the room again and see what they saw in it. Yes, yes, because yeah. I think that that's one that you can, we could do whole episodes on the room. Yeah. Um, very easily. So, uh, so follow me on Twitter. I'm at Isayer, uh And uh, yeah, that's about it. Yep. Uh, you can follow me most places, A.A. Haro. Uh, if, if you find me there, it's probably me. Um, so yeah, uh, just look for a, a Peter Falk looking profile picture. That's that's how you know it's me. Uh, SpaceColombo.tumblr.com, uh, LosHaro.wordpress.com for all all the stuff that I write or Eric writes or any of our friends write. Go there for VGH and our other podcasts. Um, I'm on the Phantom Zone, of course. I'm assuming though that you came to there came to hear from there, so. You probably already know um so yeah do that um and uh listen to phantom zone episode of justice league it's really great <laughs> oh yes <laughs> listen to the episode where andy sits cursed our podcast <laughs> with bad luck <laughs> it's a, uh, it's I, I will say this it's one of our better episodes <laughs> um uh, I, I liked it actually i really liked it it, it is I, I really do like it like the movie specials, I think, are our best episodes um, because we're focused on one thing, uh, and we get so like caught up in the CW stuff and like it's it's the CW stuff is the least entertaining to just a random person. But our movie specials, I think, we do the best job on those. So listen to all of them. But our Justice League review is pretty good <laughs> because we have people on there who hate that movie. <laughs> We have people who are ambivalent, ambivalent, and we have someone on there who loves that movie. So it's it's a it's an interesting thing to watch or to listen to, I guess. So yeah, I I, I would say I don't know how it's possible to love that movie, but I also have friends who love that movie, and yeah. who didn't like the Last Jedi. So I don't know why I'm friends with them. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean, and, and to be fair, the guy who loves Justice League kind of worked on the movie so he kind of has a reason to love it um it's kind of a home team <laughs> thing um so yeah but uh yeah listen to all of the other stuff we do um and uh hope we see you next time have a have a good week bye